Cultivate Simple, episode 53. Reading is fun. A reading rainbow. I'd rather be a farmer. I'd rather work the land. I'd rather see the mountainsides. I'd rather see your I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking Welcome to Cultivate Simple, an honest and unrehearsed discussion about trying to live a more simple life. And this is episode 53. Today we're talking about reading and how it's fun. <laughs> we, uh... Was this one of the suggestions? Yeah. From last Wendy. week? Yeah, um, Wendy. Thimblenest. Uh Wendy had a lot of different uh, ideas for podcast episodes, and we really appreciate that because we have really run out of things to talk about. Um, <laughs> and we do have interviews we're trying to line up, but it can be difficult to arrange your schedule and somebody else's schedule. Um, well, yeah. And, and I those think, are easier to do in the winter. I was just going to say, I think those are a winter uh, yeah. activity more than summer, especially since most of the people that we would interview are gardeners and are right now scrambling just like we are to yeah. get everything done uh, before, you know, the snow starts to fly and the ground starts to freeze. So yeah, we're going to definitely grab a couple of those interviews Um this winter, including uh, interviewing the former owners of our place. Um, they've already said that they'd like to do that. And I think it'd be a lot of fun to get a get kind of the record right. on the record of how our place came to be. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so thank you, Wendy, for your recommendations. And if you guys have any recommendations for show topics, because, I mean, let's be honest, Susie and I are not that interesting. <laughs> We are kind of boring. A really exciting night for us is, well, exciting nights recently have been sitting around and watching curling yeah. on the internet. So, uh, yeah, we we run out of things to talk about because we're kind of average, normal, boring people. <laughs> <laughs> but you keep listening and you. it's, it's funny because even after last week's show and talking about budgeting, I was... I just thought to myself, oh, geez, that was, you know, who cares about budgeting? Who cares about, <laughs> you know, savings? Um, but we but had some... one of our commenters said that she's listened to the debt podcast like three times for inspiration, yeah. so... Well, yeah. and yeah, and some of the comments last week were really great. Yeah. I mean, people telling stories about mm -hmm. either getting out of debt or, or wanting to get out of debt. And so, um, so I guess, you know, there is some good coming yeah. out of it. Uh, so... Thanks, thanks, Wendy, and thank you. If you have any uh, suggestions, you can go over to the Cultivate Simple to, uh, what's that called? The blog? Go over to yes. chiotron.com or to cultivatesimple.com and leave a comment um, underneath the episode yeah. uh, in the show notes. Or if you'd like to be interviewed, let us know. Yeah. If, we can do a Skype interview. Yeah, if there's something interesting you do. If you're if you're just normal like this, then it'd just be us <laughs> sitting around staring at each other. So, uh, but yeah, and I just wanted to make a, a warning tonight. Uh, you you might hear something in the background, a little pop. 
popping sound, like a little drop in the bucket. Yes. Uh, all morning we were trying to figure out what that was. And, you know, we, we thought it could be various things. Our faucet in our kitchen leaks ever so slightly if you don't really crank right. on the handle. So we thought it was that. And uh, the tub, Susie, the tub yeah, one so, leaks too. And yeah, they're all really no. old faucets. So yeah. they all drip every now and then. So, and Susie had put a a bucket in there to see how much it's leaking. Um, so we thought it was that, but it wasn't that. And then we're sitting out here at the table eating breakfast and we discovered what it was. It's your crock that you, you're fermenting. Fermenting crack. I'm fermenting zucchini. Zucchini. That's it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, our, our fermenting creek from stone tree. Stone. Crock from. Yes. Stone that's, creek. that's hard to say. <laughs> our fermenting. Oh, did it. I say our fermenting creek? Yes. Fermenting crock from stone creek trading um and we just wanted to remind you that that sale is still on if you want to get something from stone creek trading um there's a 10 percent off coupon which is chiots run Mm -hmm. Uh, so go over to the website and look at the url so you know how to spell it (laughs) and uh just put chiots run into the the coupon code on their website and you can get 10 percent off your your very own fermenting crock right and this is a 15 gallon crock? 10 gallon? 10 uh, gallon. I can't remember. It's the big one. The big one? Yeah. And I put 20, 20 or 25 pounds of zucchini. I can't remember. I kind of lost count. Um, yeah. And it's bubbling away. Yeah. So it, 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 it kind of pops every once in a while and yeah. it sounds fake. In fact, the, uh, the sound that it makes is exactly the sound that one of my, um, my chat like instant messaging programs makes whenever somebody sends you a new message it pops you know like pops up on it's like a bubble popping and that's exactly what it sounded like so all morning it was driving me nuts because i thought my computers are not on why why are they making sounds uh so if you hear that in the background that's not one of us uh, making noises and being silly um but that kind of brings us into well First of all, we have to go to our quote of the week because one of our listener questions is about fermenting zucchini, uh, but but the quote of the week. So how did this quote of the week come about? Because um, I can't remember. It, it does need some context. We were down at Matt and BJ's. Mm-hmm. And we were, was it during the... I can't was it during dinner? Last Monday night. Oh, it that's dinner, what it was. Monday yep. night, I yep. think. And we were talking about lead for some reason. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I don't know. But for some reason, we were talking about lead and talking about how <laughs> lead's not good to eat. And BJ said, there's lead in cereal. No, wait, that's iron. <laughs> and it was just, it was She's one of like, things. As soon as I said it, I knew that that was completely wrong. <laughs> we all just kind of looked at her like, What? It's not lead and cereal. No, wait. That's iron. Uh, always funnier in context. But um, that brings us on to listener questions. The listener, uh, the one f- about the fermenting zucchini, um, which I guess we kind of answered, mm-hmm. was... Do uh, you want to try that name? Smines. Smines? Smines. Smines. Good I don't one. know. It could be S.M. Hines, too. That could be her oh, mm-hmm. first and middle initial. But um, she asked about how you ferment zucchini, and it's the same as you ferment any other vegetable. Depends on if you 
cut it in small pieces or large pieces. I grated mine so that it would make it its own brine. So for every five pounds of zucchini, you toss in three tablespoons of sea salt. And you just mix it up and it kind of forms its own brine. And you throw it in a fermenting crock or in whatever container you're going to use. If you need to add extra brine, brine, you know, you mix that up, I think, at one and a half tablespoons per quart of water. Somewhere thereabouts. And then you top it off so that the vegetables are submerged and let it ferment for a week or so and you've got fermented zucchini there you go and you said that you're going to be feeding that to the chickens yep. that's why you made that yep. yeah because we had a lot it as always seems to be the case we had a lot of leftover zucchini i planted a ton of extra zucchini late in july just for um zucchini is like it's a summer squash and if you pick it young it has really tender skin Mm -hmm. but if you let it mature a little bit more on the vine it's more of a squash at that point um like a winter squash it'll store for a really long time the seeds kind of mature on the inside the rind gets really hard so i always grow a few um, mostly for the seeds because the chickens really like the seeds and the squash seeds are really good for them so i let them grow big and mature and um those i just kind of store in a corner and then every now and then i cut one apart for a chicken just like you would for the chickens just like you would a pumpkin or whatever but the younger ones that had the softer skin or the more tender skin there it went um they don't really store really well they kind of start to get spongy so all of those i grated up and fermented in all the big baseball bat size not i mean they're bigger than a baseball bat but all the huge ones i just kind of leave sit around they're bigger around than a baseball bat, oh, yeah. not longer. But um, that would be a big zucchini. A baseball bat. <laughs> Have you seen some of the ones up in the garage? Yeah. They're gigantic. So zucchini, not just for zucchini bread anymore. That's right. It seems like that's what you always hear people using. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like... It's because it's, it's cake. <laughs> it's people, cake with a little bit of vegetables. makes people feel like they're eating oh, vegetables. Yeah. It's got vegetables in it. That's right. That can be considered one of my vegetables for the day. The old food pyramid. Um, we did have some other questions about um, uh, from last week's episode about uh, budgeting and uh, savings. So do you want to read the first one here? Uh-huh. Claire says, um, My husband and I are generally pretty thrifty, but we've been thinking about beginning a budget in earnest, and the tools you've provided look like they'll help us on our way. I was wondering how you guys handle saving for retirement. Do you have some kind of retirement fund set aside, or will you start that after your mortgage is completely paid off? High school economic classes always urged us to take advantage of the magic of compound interest, but we are unsure where to find such magical places to invest in the real world. We're also looking for some way to invest in our local community instead of supporting the corporate stock market. Any thoughts you have on this topic would be greatly appreciated. And I have some pretty interesting (laughs) views on this topic. Um, And I always heard that too. And I always, up until about five years now, maybe seven years ago, we always, you know, invested as normal people would for retirement. We had IRAs and various other retirement accounts in the stock market and then the more i started reading about and the more or the more i started to become concerned with corporate power and all of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um the less i wanted my money to be in that 
or to be making money off of that. So we quit investing in those kinds of mediums and we started doing more investing and you can find ways to invest in your community. Back in Ohio, um, we had a farmer's market kind of thing open up and it was called Local Roots in Worcester. And they had community investment where they were trying to get lots of money to get the project started and they guaranteed a certain rate of interest um, over the course of however many years you invested for. Um, so you can, once you get more involved in the local community, it's a little easier to find those kinds of things. It can be like finding local sources for various foods. At first, it can seem like there aren't any, but the more you get involved in that, the more you're going to be able to find Um I also think that, I mean, one of the main things we invest our things, money, retirement, whatever you want to call it, savings, um, we try to invest in land and not necessarily real estate, but real estate. I mean, that seems, you know, one of those like mm-hmm. <laughs> crazy well, and- kind of things too. But the thing that I like about this is... I've always had my money in the stock market and I always had, you know, some fund manager managing it and it just never really does a ton. But what I like about investing in land and or real estate is you have something tangible for money. Because when you invest in the stock market, you never know. It can go up, it can go down, but it's all kind of fake money really out in the ether and you have no access to that money and that's one of the other problems i have along with supporting you know making money off of various corporate interests that i don't agree with and you can get funds that don't have like if you're against tobacco or alcohol you can find funds and retirement options that don't have those in the portfolio but i don't know i just kind of started to want to be more community-minded in that aspect of managing my money as well. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons we do that. So, I mean, you could buy houses and rent them out, um, buy land, and then you have that money. It can almost be like an emergency fund, not like an instant one, but you could always sell some of that if necessary. I also just like the tangibleness of it. And we've talked about when we pay this place off, we're going to probably start buying land in the area just to keep it from being developed or i mean it's just a good place to put your money i mm-hmm. think personally yeah this it's is kind of the classic american for us way. this is a strategy that's kind of evolving as yeah. we go because we as susie said we were putting um all of our retirement savings into iras and so on and literally for 10 years we made nothing um i mean i mean it goes up and it goes down well yeah because we put in for about four years and then uh uh september 11th happened right and the stock market went bottom up and we lost pretty much i mean everything just went down yeah um and it just seems like the more the more money we put into it the we just weren't making anything. Right. I mean, and that's the the compounding interest idea is a, a good one, except for the fact that there's like no interest anymore. Right. Um, well, and then you also have the, it's being 
negated by the compounding interest on your debt that mm -hmm. you're having to pay, right. which is always way higher than the compounding interest that you're going to be earning off of your savings. So if you have tons of debt, I mean, personally, I mean, this and this is completely yeah. my opinion. Do not, yeah, seek professional pay financial off your debt advice. Because that's, that's a guaranteed rate of return right there. I mean, mm -hmm. you have no guarantees in any other... Almost. I mean, you know, you buy a CD or whatever, but those are paying so little interest right now. You're so much better off paying off of your paying off your debt mm -hmm. and simplifying your life, too, um, because the less money you need in retirement because you've simplified your life, the less money you need to save for retirement. You know, and I don't know. I don't have this. I think that's almost one of those consumerism things that's been pushed on everybody too the whole retirement and saving for retirement and all of that and engulfing all the time yeah <laughs> and just all of that stuff and you hear murmurs about the government making new rules about retirement and uh, the amount you can have or retirement accounts and i just i'm just not really comfortable at the moment investing large portions of my money in some some place where I can't access it. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that is for another forty years or whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. Well, and so I mean that's my own personal thing. I like to have something ta something tangible for it because um, you, you just never know. <laughs> if you pay attention to the news as well and the things that have been going on around the world with uh, mm -hmm. different countries that are having financial problems. And then the government steps in and starts raising the age at which you can retire and start to collect your benefits. Um, they also start to uh, take some of that money yeah. and just, as you know, your austerity measures. Yeah. yeah they're as, starting to, they've done that in a couple different countries now yeah, where and, the government and, comes in and takes a certain percentage of everybody's retirement or money that they have in the bank because it's, you know, their way of, of funding the government. Exactly. Basically. And so it's, you know, in, in, in some way, I guess it's a, a distrust of the system too. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't want to be a part of the system. And I yeah. think it's it's kind of small steps we've taken. And eventually you're, you've completely gotten off that road and you want to in every aspect of your life. And so that's mm -hmm. one reason we have decided not to do that. And I mean, you can do it if you want to. It's just something that we've decided we didn't feel comfortable with mm -hmm. as from a purely kind of philosophical standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I would rather invest and help local people maybe start small businesses if possible, you know, that kind of thing. It's much better for your community um, if you can do that. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing talking to, I'm not sure, we haven't been here long enough to try to figure that out, but I know back in Ohio, I'm assuming Chamber of Commerce, those kinds of things might have uh, local business people are probably some of the best people to talk to as far as that's concerned. Um, but if you have high interest debt, definitely paying that off is way better than putting some money in retirement and, you know, an IRA or whatever I would say. Mm -hmm. But but seek professional advice because we are not <laughs> uh, financial counselors. This is just, it is definitely an evolving thing for us. Mm -hmm. um, and when you said that we invest in land, I mean, the piece of land that we right. own is the one that we're living on. Um, but it was a calculated move to get mm -hmm. 
a large chunk of land, right. mainly because, I mean, we wanted to be sort of right. isolated so that we could do what we wanted to on the land, have animals and grow things and do whatever we wanted there. Right. Um, and back in Ohio, we had our house and then we had saved up funds. And when either of the lots on either side of us became available, um, Luckily, it happened in a really down economy um, mm. when the housing market was really low. So we bought both of them for a very good price. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, a third of what the people were originally asking or had purchased the properties for. Right. So, I mean, it just, it's one of those things. And then when we sold, we listed one of them separately, but then made it an option to buy with our house. One of them we joined to our house, but... You know, we were able to sell and make money off of those because way more money than we made in the stock market over those two years with all the money we have invested there. And it was a much smaller amount of money. Um, so, yeah. I'll make a recommendation, too. Um, one podcast I listen to is uh, DH Unplugged. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's with... Uh, Andrew Horowitz and uh, John C. Dvorak and they're um, Horowitz is a, he's an investor. Mm -hmm. um, he manages, you know, funds for very, uh, I was really impressed by the podcast. And so I did some checking into, gee, what would it take for him to manage my money? Cause it always seems they play this little game where they have a, uh, a Google spreadsheet um, of different stocks that they just, like I said, they play a game, they kind of buy, you know, stocks which right. i don't know i we almost wonder in high school yeah i, I almost remember. wonder if this is like actually dvorak's portfolio that they're <laughs> managing but they'd say it's a game but anyway um but they always seem to be you know picking good good winners for mm -hmm. different reasons but listen to that show because they always say at some point during that show it seems um that you know you really have to be on the inside to make money in the stock market mm -hmm. um and, you know, even Horowitz, who is a investor, that's what he does for his livelihood, um, recently has just been saying, I have no idea what's going on in the stock market. It's just crazy. This is just insane. Why? You know, yeah. so if even somebody who spends, me, you know, their whole life, their whole livelihood yeah. is wrapped up in that and can't really predict what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it, it's in many ways, it's gambling. It is gambling because there's no guarantee mm -hmm. there really is none and particularly if you were alive and invested before 9 11 i remember i think our portfolios probably dropped by half mm -hmm. and took several years to recover oh yeah and then the housing crisis came <laughs> yeah and so it's just one of, yeah it is it's just like gambling and so i just really like something that's i probably make less money but i like that it's concrete mm-hmm um, and I at least have something for it. Yeah, I might sell it for less, but generally if I'm selling it 50 years later, even if I break even, what do I care at that point? You know, mm -hmm. as long as it's historically speaking, real estate and land is a great place to put your money. And I don't, I think what you said about living simply too has, that has more uh, merit than you know, needing to invest your, your right. money in the stock market. Because if you do live simply, you do not need that much in order to, right. you know, you should have everything by the time you retire, you should have everything paid off. You should have, you know, you should be pretty much set and have a little bit of a nest egg for large expenses. But I, I honestly don't ever see you and I not working 
Right. Um, and, and especially doing something where we could make a little money on the side from mm-hmm. it. Um you know, enough to pay bills, enough to pay for a car, or th- those types of things. Right. Um, but living simply is a huge part of that because if you don't, if you're not in the consumerism game and you don't feel like you always need to be getting the latest things or, you right. know. And if you pay off your debt by the time you're, yeah. you know, X, maybe 40, um, until you supposedly retire, you know, you get 25 years. Right. And that's a lot. And the compounding interest isn't going to get you any farther ahead if you put money in retirement and then take till you're 55 to pay off all of your debt. Because then you think about all the money you've paid in interest at that point. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things. Mm-hmm. S- some financial people tell you otherwise, but um, of at least they- paying off your debt is guaranteed. You're getting, right. you're saving a guaranteed amount of money and interest that you would have to pay otherwise. So, I of course, financial like investors will tell you that you need to invest your money because that's what pays their bills. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's always the guy behind the guy that you have to look out for. Um, but yeah, so that's our so that's our take on that. Take one. on that yeah. one again. Seek professional advice and then take it with a grain of salt um so (laughs) becky said uh one thing i wonder if you might have some advice on uh what do you do if if your partner or who is mostly debt-free isn't buying the whole budget thing um we're looking to get married in the next year or so he only has a mortgage. I have a lot. <laughs> I want to get it paid off before we merge finances, but it's hard when you're trying to split uh, bills slash grocery um, and the other person doesn't have the same spending habits you do. Any talking points would be appreciated. That's tough. That is a tough one, but I think that that's something that comes with um, open discussion about things and both people giving a little... Um, because you weren't so much on board with the whole budgeting, living simply thing for a long time, but the longer we kind of kept at it, the more you saw it as a good way to do things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, in the beginning, when you say we're going to spend less money, obviously, because back then I I was very much in the consumerism game. I mean, you know, and so you don't want to feel deprived or. Yeah. 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 You don't, you know, I have money. I should be able to spend it. I may, I worked hard for this money and that sort of mentality, um, which is very much the mentality I was brought up with. Uh, So it's hard though. It's, and to be honest, to to answer uh, Becky's question, um, it it's difficult to say. This is more like marriage advice than it is financial <laughs> advice. Um, you really marriage is a giving up of yourself and your own desires and your own wants in order to make the other person happy. Um, now some people won't agree with that and that's fine, but you're wrong. Um, (laughs) and I, I say that from experience because, uh, I, I think that when you really, when you try to satisfy yourself or you try to please yourself in a, um, 
the other person not getting what they need or what they want out of a marriage because you're always seeking your own interests. Um, I really think that both of you suffer because of that. Um, being uh, the the giver in the relationship um, is very important. Always looking out for your spouse's needs and and always trying to do things for them that um, maybe you don't like to do or you don't want to do, but that's what your spouse wants or likes to do, and so you do them. Um, and so that's with this and, and with discussing uh, things like finances. I mean, that's that's what they say that most marriages uh, end yeah. over is you know disagreements about finances and about financial matters. And so getting this one kind of nailed down. Um, is is definitely important to do and i think it just comes with discussion uh, it and, definitely and it comes with realizing the different um mindsets of different people mm-hmm. because i'm a saver through and through right i i mean i would be the miserly old woman if because that's just how i am i've always been that way i was that way when i was a kid i've always been that way i would always not spend a penny if it meant you know, my mom would give me lunch money and I would buy, I forget, like a carton of milk and save the rest just so, that, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's just how I've always been. So for me, it's a bit more of the give as in not like being able to spend more money and being okay with the fact that you spend more money on certain things, but you're, you know, you don't have the same mindset as I do as far as being as miserly as I do. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those um, things where bo- I think both people kind of need to, and that's where that comes through discussion, discussing, you know, your mindset and your kind of feelings about the whole thing and, and trying to be a little more understanding of your partner's opinions and mindset. And cause it is a, you know, money should be a very tangible straightforward thing but there's so much other stuff that comes with it um mm-hmm. that it ends up being really well, there's complex. so much emotion wrap, wrapped up in it but that's again that comes back to our society yeah you know the advertising and and companies want you to be emotional about their product and their product obviously takes money to buy so therefore you know we right. get all just we get these screwed up feelings about it i mean money is just a it's just a form of exchange for goods. You know, you, you spend your time, you get money, you spend the money, you get goods. And so it's, but we just make it this whole big thing. But yeah, I think discussion, I think discussion needs to happen. Um, I think maybe Becky and her significant other fiance, I'm guessing fiance, since they're talking about getting married, mm-hmm. maybe you can ask him to help you set up a budget to get all of your debt paid off and to sit down and... Yeah, obviously, either he didn't have budget or didn't have debt or worked really hard to pay it off already. So how did he do that? Yeah. Um, But I would say sitting down together, if your goal is to get it paid off before you get married, um, I mean, that's clearly something that would benefit him as well. So, and I think that'd be a good way to do it. Yeah, you can't, you're not in the position that Susie was where... We're the opposite. So you were the one with debt and I was the one without... And you told me that if I didn't pay it off, we weren't getting married. That's right. <laughs> so Becky's kind of 
you know, self-imposing that. Which is uh, good. That's good. Yeah. No, that's a, and it's a very good thing to, Mm -hmm. to want to do. Um, because then you don't go into a marriage with that, you know, that baggage, uh, so to speak. Um, so yeah, but I just talking. I mean, that's and that's the best advice for marriage too is just open discussion right. and, it and trying have to, to understand. Be like a family meeting about a budget. No. It can just be a lot of open discussion yeah. because we have discussions all the time about things like that. And, and most, I guess that's what I was saying. You know, yeah. w- when I was talking about marriage and and being the understanding person, I really think that whenever you discuss something you know, with, with your spouse or with a family member or with anything else, you really have to try to understand where the other person's coming from and see it their way, kind of give up your own opinions for a minute and say, okay, why do they see it this way? And do they have valid points? And okay, I guess they do have valid points. So, you know, how do I come around to that or incorporate that into my thought process? So hopefully that helps. But, um, that's that's a that's a hard question. Mm-hmm. Seek professional advice. <laughs> uh, and then, it, yeah. So there's another. There was a comment. The last comment on the podcast last week was from Krista, and she said a brilliant idea of heating up leftover pizza in cast iron. She said, "I know you keep saying you heat up everything in cast iron, but it really helps visualize the benefits when you go into specifics." She said, "Now I just need to get a bigger cast iron pan." So, and I wanted to recommend the Lodge pizza pan because it's just a huge pan, a big round pan that you can use for baking pizza on. I use it as like a cookie sheet or a roasting pan when I'm roasting potatoes or uh, sweet potatoes or anything in the oven. I like to put them on that cast iron pan because it radiates a lot of heat. And then I use it on the stovetop a lot as just like a huge skillet to cook stuff. But it comes in very handy when warming up pizza so if you're looking to add your cast iron collection i highly recommend this piece i use it all the time and Mm -hmm. i really like it and it's not that expensive either it's like 35 bucks or something like that i bought mine a long time ago for like 20 that tells you how long i've had (laughs) it (laughs) but years and years i've probably had mine for 14 years um so yeah cast iron's pretty amazing i mean it's it is when, I mean, one of my cast iron skillets, I've tried to date it based on the stamp on the back. It's an old Griswold. Um, and it was left in my parents' first house that they bought. Um, I'm not sure if I... I may have been like six months old when they bought that house. I can't remember. Um, but the thing I think by the Griswold like stamp or the logo or whatever on the bottom, it was probably from the 19-teens, so... Between 19, like, I'm running them right around 1920, the thing was made. Wow. So it's almost 100 years old. And the thing is, I use it daily for every meal that I cook. The thing gets used. It's just amazing. Because mm-hmm. people buy, you know, who was it that was just saying this week that they want to get rid of their nonstick? It was Dawn from oh, the farm. Yes. We yep. interviewed her. And she said, because I posted something on my Facebook page about making a big, uh, chocolate chip cookie in a cast iron skillet it's oh, this yeah. recipe that i found and you do you mix everything right in the skillet you melt the butter and you mix in the flour and then you pop it in the oven and cook your cookie now i'm gonna have to put the recipe in the show notes because we're <laughs> gonna want it right in the skillet so it's super convenient if you want to make cookies and don't want to mess up a pan or haven't gotten your butter out and you know brought it up to room temperature that kind of thing 
So I posted that on my Facebook page, and she said that she had these cast iron skillets that uh, in her basement that she was trying to get her boys to sand down and was telling them, you know, they could do it for a, a present for, for her. Yeah. And so she showed them that, and she said, wouldn't you know it? <laughs> she said, those boys sanded down and refinished that cast iron skillet, and then I made them a cookie in it. <laughs> <laughs> So it's kind of just funny. takes the right motivation sometimes, exactly. I guess. Uh, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just thinking too about your your mom because your mom. Since we've been married, I think your mom's had two or three sets of pans, probably yeah. two. Yeah, and then the last ones, it was because the nonstick finish started coming off, and yes. you know, obviously, you don't want that in your food. Um, yeah, but Scary. It's, it, it's just amazing with cast iron that. You know, like that pan, you can use that every single day and it just gets better and better, Yep. you know, so. And if you haven't listened to the cast iron episode, go listen to that because you might be one of those people that thinks you can't cook in a cast iron skillet because everything sticks. But I did give some incorrect tips on some things you need to do to cook in cast iron to make it better. Just trying to go back and see uh, which episode that was. And I'm looking for this cookie recipe to post on the, it <laughs> was, the show uh, notes. It was episode 35, uh, Cast Iron Cooking. So, yeah, go back and listen to that one. I don't know. How many pieces of cast iron do you have? Probably, um, I don't know, a lot. Because you have, you have bread pans that we found for yeah, you, so uh, like loaf pans. Bread, like six loaf pans. They're lodge loaf pans. Um, I've got the pizza pan. I've got a small Dutch oven. Um, I've got a little tiny skillet, a little round one. I've got a little square one that's perfect to cook an egg for a slice of bread um, if you want to make a sandwich. I have two, like an 8-inch and a 9-inch skillet. And then I have a flat skillet, so one that doesn't have sides. Um, And then I have a good amount of enameled cast iron that mm-hmm. I use a bunch of Dutch ovens of various sizes and gratin pans. So you love your cast iron. I do. I have stuff. stainless steel cookware that just kinda sadly sits in the <laughs> in the cupboard and collects dust. Yep. But the handles are getting loose. I mean it's a really nice set of stainless steel and I do use it occasionally. I mean I have a couple stock pots that I use and a couple saucepans that I use, but this the cast iron just blows them away. Mm-hmm. And it makes a good weapon, too, if somebody ever breaks in. But anyway. Exactly. Um, so Brian's Geeky Corner. We haven't done that in quite a while. Uh, and it's pretty much because I've given you all my good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, after after a certain point, the tips start to get really, really geeky. Uh, so I... But one thing that we do every week um we do a little bit of show notes we say an honest and unrehearsed discussion it's definitely honest and it's definitely unrehearsed but we do use a bit of uh show notes and the the one thing we use for that and something that i've been dealing with this week is um for my work is google apps and so i wanted to recommend that um now this comes with the the big caveat at the beginning of uh it's google and which means it's the government if you put anything on there the government will be reading it um (laughs) if you put anything anywhere the government's reading it that's true so there's that so so, but that aside uh google does make some great products in their google app suite um and it's free which is always a bonus but of course you know that that comes with advertising and that's how google makes all their money um 
But if you do sign up for a Google Apps account, you get uh, Gmail, of course, which I think is one of the best uh, online webmail programs there there is that exists. Um, but you also get Google Calendars, and that's what I was dealing with this week, um, setting up a Google Calendar for a company that I work for. And then the neat thing about Google Calendars is you can actually share a calendar between Google accounts. So if you and your husband or you and your kids um, each have a Google account, you can share a calendar between all of you. And then as one of you puts an event on there, it updates for everyone else. Um, another neat thing about uh uh, Gmail and Google calendars specifically, but most of the Google apps is that they can sync up with, um, your smartphone or even with, uh, local, like a local calendar app or a local mail app. Um, so you can have like on the Mac, that would be calendar or mail, uh, or you can have Microsoft outlook, I believe also sync up with that. Um, and yeah. finally, the th- and that comes in handy because my dad has a calendar where he schedules all of his speaking engagements and then he shares that calendar with me so that mm-hmm. I know, um, and can put them on the Facebook page and stuff like that. So. Right. So it's good for personal. It's also good for business. And they do have a special, um, uh, thing for business, uh, a special, category and it's five dollars a month um for that for the business um but then you get some management tools that the businesses could use so even if you have a small business this might be helpful for you um and then the good thing about paying the five bucks a month is that you can get phone support uh for all of the apps but the the thing that we use for the show notes is google docs which is um pretty cool because you can get in there and be typing on a document with uh, someone or many other people at the same time. So if you have um, shopping lists that you want to keep or um, to-do lists or lists of chores or anything like that, um, Susie and I use this a lot for uh, projects that we want to do, different things like that. Yeah. because both of you can be adding to it at the same time if you want to and editing it and then, you know, striking things out as you get them completed if you're using it as a to-do list. So it's kind of a neat way to to use it. Um, it functions basically like Microsoft Word or a similar word processing program. So super easy to use. Um, and then the, the sharing aspect of it is, is really cool too. So that can all be found if you go to... Um, uh, I believe it's apps.google.com, or if you just go to google.com and sign up for an account, then basically all of that comes with it. And there's some other products in there too. Google Drive, which is kind of like Dropbox in a way. Um, you can store um, files on there. Um, and then there's some other things in there as well. Uh, but those are those are what we use. And so I just wanted to, to recommend that this week, uh, Google Apps. And that brings us on to the topic for the week, which is uh, reading is fun. And reading is fun. Um, We wanted to share, I think, wasn't it one of the ideas that Wendy had that gave us on the the list was was kind of our bookshelf and different things that come off of our bookshelf. But usually we're talking about um, gardening books or we're talking about, you know, tomes on feeding your chickens grain from the 1950s. Um, (laughs) And so we decided to go in a completely different direction, which is just kind of either fun books or fictional books that we've read or that we're interested in or different authors that we like. Um, So it really doesn't have anything to do with 
you know, with gardening or simple living necessarily. Um, oh, probably most of the ones I'm recommending do. So just to a because extent, my interests, yeah. which is why I'm recommending these, because I think that our readers, if you haven't read them yet, you would find them probably very amusing. Okay, very well then mine have nothing to do with anything <laughs> because <laughs> that's not normally, I mean, in the, my favorite kind of books, and I typically listen to audiobooks because I listen while I'm working, um, because I can have sort of something going on in the background uh, for a lot of the work that I do. And there's many times while I'm listening to something, even if I'm listening to music while I'm working, um, sometimes I'll come up against a problem and need to shut everything off so I can devote all my CPU cycles to it. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of times I can have something in the background or a lot of times when I'm doing work outside, um, mm-hmm. you know, the other day I was uh, moving compost with the tractor from one place to another that doesn't require a lot of brain power so um so i had an audiobook playing uh in i only put one headphone on so that i can hear what's going on around me but uh it just doesn't take a lot of concentration then so so yeah my books have nothing to do with anything um <laughs> they're just fictional fun mindless yeah. escapism so yeah um i have a hard time with those kinds so of probably books. you should start I can't do audiobooks because my mind starts to wander. I have to engage my eyesight or my mind starts to wander. It's not not enough to keep me. We've listened to a few, or we listen to audiobooks when we travel. Uh And it's always funny because every once in a while, Susie will just look over and say, What's going on? Can you can you rewind that? I completely did that listen for the last twenty minutes. (laughs) I was thinking about something else and completely consumed. So then we have to rewind and listen to the to the last twenty minutes again or whatever it is. Um, So yeah, we'll be kind of all over the map tonight as far as our book uh, recommendations. But um, but these are just you know this is different things that we're interested in. So why don't you start with one? All right. So I'm going to start with the lighthearted books that are. And most of the books I read are pretty, they're how informative books. Mm-hmm. Very information rich. Yes. But I do like to read books that are just kind of quick reads here and there. Every now and then, like right now I'm thinking I need to get a couple books from the library that are just, I can sit down, read it in an evening or two and enjoy it and mm-hmm. not be learning something and trying to process what is inside. So... I have a couple books that I would recommend that are like that. And the first one is called The Dirty Life. Um, And this book is really interesting um, because it's about a writer who goes to interview someone, a farmer, and ends up falling in love with them and they get married. And it's just a story of them starting kind of an unconventional farm. And I like they start a CSA, but it's not your typical CSA. It's a CSA for everything. So it's your... All the food you need, CSA. They have dairy cows and beef and pigs. and So you go there and you get everything you need for the week. Vegetables, milk, meat at the farm. And then they just have a set price per the year. And it's not a specified amount. So you just go and get what you're going to need. And if you want to get extra to can, you can get extra to can. And it's all included in your CSA. And then if you don't have enough money, they also do a... um like subsidized or lesser amounts for people who can't afford as much. So, I mean, it's kind of a fascinating to read through the setup of their farm and how they got started. Um, 
It's a really interesting book, and it's a true story. I mean, it's, you know, memoir kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting one. If you like farming, gardening, supporting local farms, community, any of the, all the stuff we talk about on here, mm -hmm. you'll appreciate this book, particularly her take on it, because she's coming in from a completely different environment. And so she has different, she sees different things and sees it completely differently than someone who has been in that already. So mm -hmm. I kind of like that about this book. And then oh, go ahead. Um, Coop, a family, a farm in the pursuit of one good egg. It's a really interesting book about this guy who the whole premise of the book is that he's going to, I think, build a new chicken coop. And so it goes through like the whole year it takes him to build this chicken coop. And he's got a bunch of other really great books, too. Um, and he talks about all the different things that happen in that year, like slaughtering pigs and making sauerkraut and all of this stuff that spans this year kind of like while he's trying to build this chicken coop, which is really an interesting because that's how life is. You know, a lot of times yeah. it's just it's kind of like a year in his life, which is really interesting. And he tells a lot about his his childhood, him growing up, which I find which I found really interest an interesting part of that book. Um, things he had for dinner, you know, like his mom making popcorn. I think it was like every Sunday night or something like that in Crisco and it was always burnt. So he still has this <laughs> great memory of, you know, when he smells burnt popcorn, you know, it makes him feel like he's home with his family and it's this fun Sunday night thing. And it's just kind of, you know, I mean, those little stories he sprinkles throughout are really great. Yeah, hey, that was perfect timing. I hope hopefully, everybody else heard Hopefully you that. guys can hear that. The little <laughs> popping sound in the background just is cracking so, me up. Um, well, so you can do one if yeah, you Yeah, I'll start off with a couple of mine. Uh, and I'll... A couple of the ones that are sort of recent uh, as far as movies being made or TV shows being made from them. And that, again, mine are just completely useless. I mean, if you just need something to completely... <laughs> It will not better your life in any way. Um, Ender's Game is a movie that has either recently come out or is coming out. I'm not sure because uh, I don't pay attention to when movies are coming out. Um, but I'd actually like to to see it, sort of, because I obviously the book was better than the movie, as it always yeah, it is. Always is. Um, yeah. But Orson Scott Card is the uh, the author, and Ender's Game is a really... It was a good book. Um, it's, you know... Looks like it's in cinemas right now. Okay. You can see it at the flagship cinema in Waterville. Oh, nice. Um, it was... It's Released just a, November 1st. So. It's a really interesting book. The The Earth has been attacked by aliens, basically. And so it's like sci-fi. Yeah, it's very... Oh, yeah, yeah. Very sci-fi. Um, You're kind of a sci-fi person. I am. And they've wiped out a lot of the humans, and there's been kind of a war uh, that... You know, I won't give all the details away. Oh, it's got but Harrison Ford in it. They they start to recruit kids um, because they and they start sort of. It's almost like a breeding program where, but they start to recruit kids to uh, to fight the war. Um, they start training them very young in order to make them these, you know, super soldiers. And so it just sort of follows along with Ender, who's uh, one of these kids, and how he develops into this mm -hmm. and the different things that he goes through. I bet there's an um, epic battle. Oh, there's a many bunch of epic, epic battles. battles. Mm -hmm. And then and Orson Scott Card has actually written a lot of books, and then this universe is sort of expanding, which I I like books like that and series like that. Um, 
So the other book that I would recommend, and if you've seen the movie Ender's Game, definitely, uh, you know, get the book and or listen to the book because all these that I've that I'm going to mention, um, except for one, uh, I've just listened to the audiobook. I haven't actually read the books. Um, but the the other one that I would recommend with Ender's Game, if you like the movie especially, is called Ender's Shadow, um, which is about one of the characters in Ender's Game. Uh, it goes into his life and his backstory, and just really interesting. And I've been listening through this whole series because it even goes way back to the the first Formic War, and um, which is like Earth of Fire and uh, Earth Unaware, and there's another one in that trilogy. But at any rate, uh, just really, he's a, he's a decent decent author. Um, uh, this is like Brian's geeky corner, actually. It is. It is very geeky. Um, most of my books are. Looking at my list, so I would recommend those. I won't go any further into it. But he, the good thing about the universe is that it's it's very expansive, um, and he he does a decent job with uh, with keeping all of his. Uh, story straight, which is always difficult to do, yeah. I know, for authors. And I think there's even, at the end of one of the audiobooks, he talks about that and says that it would be impossible without his readers because basically mm-hmm. his readers keep an encyclopedia of, you know, everything, when it happened, how it happened, who was involved, what they said, you know, the different things they mentioned, the the family relationships they have. So, um, so I'd recommend those. And then another one kind of along that same line is... Uh, an author, Daniel Suarez, um, he has a book called Demon, which isn't demon in the, uh, you know, Satan's minions demons. Um, but a demon is a, it's actually a, basically like a computer program that runs in the background. Um, and Demon is a really good book. Basically, this computer programmer um, sets up this whole series of events that triggers when he dies. And it's basically like a take over the world kind of thing. Only he has set up this program to run um, and to recruit, you know, people in real life to Mm -hmm. then, you know, overthrow the government and the whole thing. So it's just a really good uh, book. And the audio book is great uh, because of the different voices and so on. So I would recommend Daniel Suarez demon. And then the follow up to that freedom um again completely mindless books but you know that's kind of me it's it's like mindless um it's good escapism so uh and then the other one um i would say in that same vein that's that's been made into movies and tv shows if you like um uh what's that what's the show called (laughs) crown of thorns is that what it's called yeah Game is. of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Jeez, why? That, I just completely blanked on that. Uh, George R. R. Martin um, is a really good author. As far as talking about write those books, yes, and talk about expansive universe. Holy oh, man, I mackerel! I mean, it is just hours and hours and hours. I, I think the audiobooks total somewhere around sixty hours. I think um, maybe even more. And it's you just, listened to all of them, didn't you? Yeah. It's just a ridiculous amount of audio. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was looking at the, I, I can't remember, well, I, I don't have the screen up now. I was, I was looking uh, at my audiobook selection that I have in iTunes. Um, let me see if I can. Yeah, the, I have, 
<laughs> this is sad. So each each item represents a disc. I have 1,156 items, um, which total 49 days, 23 hours, 15 minutes, and 15 seconds of total audiobook time. <laughs> <laughs> 71 gigabytes of data. Um, but... I enjoy audiobooks. I like to listen while I'm doing other stuff, as I said. So so those are some that I would recommend. You're up. All right. Working on putting yours into the show notes while, oh. while you're talking. Um, Bucolic Plague. You oh, read that one. Hilarious. If you want to laugh, if you need something just really, really funny, Bucolic Plague is hilarious. I'm sure you've heard of the Beekman Boys by now. Um, hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I won't say anything more about that because no. it's just funny. Yeah. Um, it's one of those books where you definitely don't want to read it in a Starbucks or in the bus no, station because you'll, you'll be just... La- <laughs> you will be laughing audibly. Yes. You will be LOLing. <laughs> yes. Many, many times. It's, it's just hilarious. It's a wonderful book. It's um, funny. And then there's another one I need to look at. Um, it's called Heirloom Notes from an Accidental Tomato Farmer. And it's another one of those books just about someone's life. Crazy things he decided to do. Start growing tomatoes and selling them at the uh, farmer's market in New York City, I think. Uh, and everything that goes along with that. He's end up having to get all of his friends to come out and do stuff at the farm to help him. And it's it's just really, really funny. It's a good book. There are lots of interesting things that happen in it, so... Recommended. I liked it. Was that your segment? Um, I would also recommend um, some Barbara Kingsolver books. Her books are great. I loved... Um, let me think. What's the one? Now I can't. Here I am again. <laughs> <laughs> we just paused the recording so she could look up another book. Yeah. And now she's doing it again. Here I am. Just Do you need me to pause it again? Craziness. No. Um... Animal Vegetable Miracle. Oh, yeah. That's about her year of trying to live locally, which I really liked. Some of her other ones are interesting. Some of them not so much. Um, You just never know what you're going to get sometimes reading some of her books, but overall, they're pretty good. So are you going to move on, or do you want... Are we going on to classics now? No, because you can't go into classics until I mention these two books. Um, These two are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum, but one is called, uh, the name of it is One Second After. Oh, that um, is a good one. Yeah. It's we by... listened to the audiobook when we were traveling once. It's a very yep. good traveling book because it keeps you, particularly if you're traveling late at night and you're trying to stay awake, it's yeah. a good book because it really is engaging and it does keep you awake. Uh, William Forreston is the, uh, the author. And One Second After, uh, as the name suggests, it's a, a book about... Um, Again, uh, Susie and I, I yes. think we've said this before, but uh-huh. we love post-apocalyptic movies. Um, and, and this audiobook was right up that alley. Um, it's, and there's an EMP strike in the United States and basically takes out the whole national power grid. And so then it's just the story of one year in the life of uh, the people in this kind of a small town um and what they do to survive that year and and all the different things that happen and it's 
I, I like, you know, we like TV shows like that. And I like books like that, that just really make you think about what you would do in certain situations, mm-hmm. not necessarily, you know, uh, doomsday prepper kind of situations, but just, um, different situations in general. And this is one of those really, really good ones because we take so many things for granted as far as the electricity is concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially with an EMP, because an EMP would take out 95% of the cars that are on the road today. It would take out all electronics, which is most communication. Uh, Computers would be gone. The internet would be gone. Um, You know, so what would you do and how would you survive and what are the sacrifices you would make? And this book is just really uh well written as far as i think the i don't believe that the guy was uh was an author um i i don't think so i I, i'd have to check on that i could be completely wrong about that but yeah really good book um and then in the opposite end of the spectrum is uh and you have to listen to these in audiobook because in book form these just wouldn't be funny at all or would they probably (laughs) still would be funny but um any of the steve martin books um Steve Martin, you know, a funny comedian, um, uh, and his the the books that he has the audio books he has I believe four of them now, um, but I'll recommend Born Born Standing Up, uh, and he reads them, which makes the audio books amazing. <laughs> um, but I would recommend any of his his audio books and just really 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 funny, especially. I suppose in some way you have to appreciate Steve Martin type humor, which, you know, is just kind of goofy and silly and funny. Um, But uh, all these books, uh, these are funny too to, or good to listen to while you're traveling um, because they're just really hilarious. And so you're laughing a lot and Mm -hmm. just having a good time with them. So um, I think it's funny that you're going to move into classics because I have one left, which is a classic, but not your typical classic. So go ahead. You've got some. Um, I would recommend my, my favorite. I love John Steinbeck. I would say if I had to pick one novelist, classic, I mean, even as far as new authors, I would pick him above anybody else. And I've read, I'm pretty sure, every single one of his books, many of them multiple times. So I would recommend if you haven't read any of his stuff, I highly recommend it. East of Eden is probably my favorite. Um, I reread that book almost every winter. And then I also love um, Grapes of Wrath is good. Travels with Charlie is also fantastic. It's also yeah, a good, good audio book to listen to while you're traveling. Um, We've recommended that audio book for people traveling to many people, and they all say, thank you so much for that. That was great to listen to while driving so around. Great. Yeah, um, just, I mean, I, all of his books, his short stories are really good. You've probably read The Pearl growing up in school, I would assume. I don't know, maybe, probably people our age have. Anybody younger, maybe not so much. I know the reading of the classics isn't uh, as... Uh, Do they still teach reading? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> probably not. I'm sure it's too... Uh, I'm sure the things in the books are too controversial. But he has, I mean, just... Cannery Row uh, is fantastic. Um, he's got The Winner of Our Discontent, also good. Um, yeah, The Red Pony is kind of one of those classic, bizarre short stories of his that I'm sure once you read it, you'll remember reading it before. Tortilla Flat. Um, yeah, great. 
Great books. Love John Steinbeck. And also along the same lines, Ernest Hemingway. I like Ernest Hemingway. I have an old book of my dad's that's the, you know, a collection of Ernest Hemingway. And if you read anything, if you haven't read anything by Ernest Hemingway, I would suggest reading his, a collection of his short stories, which are really fantastic. I believe they're articles that he wrote for, I don't know, Field and Stream or, you know, one of those kinds of outdoorsy magazines. Um, and they're just really fantastic. They're short. They're interesting. Uh, they give you a really good idea of what his writing is like. He's, a, I mean, I think he's very similar to John Steinbeck, very descriptive in an interesting kind of a way. So definitely Ernest Hemingway is also one of my favorites. We also went to his house, which was interesting. Yes, all his polydactic cats. Yes. Maybe and that's why I like Ernest Hemingway. Maybe it has nothing to do with his writing, but his love of cats. <laughs> his love of big-footed cats. Yes. Um, and you didn't mention Of Mice and Men by Steinbeck. Oh, yeah. Also a good audiobook, especially if you get the Gary Sinise yes, version. which we listened to. Which is to hilarious. Just on because our trip it's, to Maine a couple of years ago is yeah, when we listened to that. Just because it's Gary Sinise and he... Yeah, it's hilarious because he does the female voices. I yeah. think we've talked about this before on the podcast, <laughs> yeah. but it really, it just... Just makes that audiobook. It's we have hilarious. many quotes that we say. <laughs> We've said from the time we listened to that. She's a tart, Larry. Jokes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> really, really funny. Oh. Um, and then my classic and my, my favorite author is Tolkien. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, uh, Children of Her, and anything that he has written pretty much I've read. He's, he, is, he is my Steinbeck. <laughs> to Susie, he is to me is, Su- no, yeah, yeah, how that works. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I just really, he was a fascinating man. Um, he was a linguist, and so just really loved languages, and um, you can tell in his writings because he just created languages for all of the different races that uh, are in his books. And so that's actually the audiobooks that I'm listening through right now, um, which is one of the reasons I wanted to mention this. Um, and I think I had actually said this last week. Yeah, you did. Um, about the, you know, in reading through The Lord of the Rings especially, and some somewhat in The Hobbit, there are a lot of uh, songs that are, are sung, and listening to the audiobooks, especially, oh yeah, I did mention it, because you mm-hmm. have to get the uh, the 1990 version of the audiobooks, yeah. um, because the the reader is just unbelievable in, in the singing that he does, and in the different voices that he does, and doesn't dramatize it or make it too cheesy, um, but just does a really good job with it. But um, if you really like... Uh, sort of fantasy fiction, um, and you haven't read The Lord of the Rings, then you probably don't like fantasy fiction because that's sort of the <laughs> the. Although you had never read it until you read it, I saw it Both. after the movie. You I saw read it. it. After we went and the saw movie. yeah, The Fellowship of the Ring, and um. Then you're like, I should read this book. But that was you, actually you really a big reader. You have not yeah. never been a huge reader, and so you got those books and read them. And those were the first, first kind of big, probably the first book you've ever read just to read a book. Yep. Yeah. That, the that I had joy been, of reading a book that I hadn't been forced to, and that was after the first movie came out. So, I, which I believe was two thousand one. Um, and uh, yeah, and so I wanted to. To because I said, oh yeah, I, I, these are a book, aren't they? And so then I 
got the books and read through them. But since then, I've read pretty much everything that he's written, um, which is a lot. There is just a huge universe out there. Um, so, yeah, I would recommend anything by him. Good stuff. <laughs> Especially the the Children of Hurin uh, and then the, the Cimmerillion, which are... Um, the Children of Hurin is a kind of an expansion of the end of the first age, I believe, of Middle Earth, and then the Cimmerillion is is how Middle Earth came to be, which is uh, a very deep and involved book, and you should have a, a kind of a concordance sitting next to <laughs> sitting next to that book, so you can f- keep track of who all the different people are and all the different names and where you are. Um, but man, I just really enjoy those books just love them so uh do you have any others or is that it that's it yeah I yeah think that's it that's pretty much i'm trying to keep it a little short we'll do more book ones yeah we're gonna all look on the bookshelf and do some various books that we see fit to pay money for and yeah keep on our bookshelf yeah we we went through a, a time where we had a ton of books on our bookshelves and then we really tried to get rid of all the ones that we didn't care about. It was almost like we had books just to have books, yeah. just to say, ooh, look at our bookshelves. Look how wonderfully stocked they are. <laughs> um, but books that we really didn't care about. And uh, so... To be fair, a lot of them were college books oh, that true. we'd had to buy in college, and you just really feel bad getting rid of them because they're so incredibly expensive. Yeah. Um, but we sort of went through and, and got rid of most of those. And now we're... We don't buy a lot of books, um, but we buy books that we really care about and that we're going to read again and that we're going to uh, reference often. We have a lot of reference books as far as animals and farming and those types of things are concerned. Um, but, you know, a lot of our, especially the, for me, the fictional books, I don't have a lot. Now, I have a lot of audio books, um, but a lot of those I've... I get from the library, mm-hmm. um, which is a good way to do that because audiobooks are expensive. Um, so yeah, so that that's those are some of the books that we're interested in. And like you said, we're going to do some uh, sort of grab some books off the shelf and and talk about those in the future uh, because we do have a lot of interesting books. One of our friends came over, um, somebody that we met up here in Maine, and she just sat in front of our bookshelf for like. 20 minutes yeah. just like wow oh i've wanted to read that one too <laughs> and so we've kind of become a bit of a lending library ourselves yeah. lending out books to um, friends and neighbors so um so i guess we don't have to cover the book of the week because <laughs> pretty much that's the yeah. show um but if you do want to support the podcast and you do want to buy any of these books, a great way to support the podcast without spending any money um, is by using our Amazon affiliate link, which you can find on the website if you go to CultivateSimple.com. Look over in the sidebar. You can click on any of the books that are in the sidebar, but if you want to actually bookmark the the link itself, um, you can go to uh, CultivateSimple.com slash support, and then you can book the, the Amazon affiliate link. And all it is is a little tag at the end of the Amazon 
Amazon uh, link that uh, for the next, I believe it's like 24 hours, but whenever you're going to make your purchase, just go through mm-hmm. our link. And then when you make that purchase, um, a, a portion of that gets credited to our account and it doesn't cost you anything. The prices don't go up. There's no sort of, uh, you know, premium that you have to pay. Mm-hmm. We just make a little bit on the, the back end of the sale. Um, and that goes towards the, the hosting bill and, um, and and paying for different various projects around here that we have going for, and it doesn't make us really that much, but it's enough to enough to keep us motivated. Um, or if you'd like to make a donation, you can do so um, at the website as well, and uh, you know how to do that. So that's all I'm going to say about that this week. We'll be back next week with another show. We hope that you have a a good week because reading read a book is fun. I'd rather be a farmer I'd rather work the land I'd rather see the mountain sides I'd rather see your hand I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking now But somehow it all depends If I could fly See my hometown. I'd rather hold my wife. I'd rather never question things. That's the story of my life. I'd rather not be crying. I'd rather just be whole. I'd rather brave the cleansing fire I'd rather feed my soul If I could Crying out to you 
ready to be finished here. I'm ready for this season to be If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the trees And go to Face the bomb, yeah.